0: Hey, this is Dino, I'm the pastor of Revolution Church. Thank you for downloading this podcast. We hope this message is encouraging to you and allowing you to discover God's unchanging love. For more information, visit our website at TheRevolutionChurch.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Revolution Church. I'm Pastor Michael Hoffman. It's my honor to be with you today in worshiping the Lord and to bring the message of God to you this Sunday morning. So how many of you have been enjoying this awesome message and series on reclaiming, reclaiming the things that God has meant for us to enjoy, but has been taken from us? Last week, Dan brought that awesome message about how we can reclaim what God said that we can have. Pastor Anton shared how we can reclaim our freedoms, the things that God said we can enjoy. And Pastor Dino, he has shared with us how we can reclaim our confidence, reclaim things that have been taken from us or stolen from us or that we've just lost, and also how we can reclaim God's Word in our lives. Well, today I want to share with you kind of the secret into the how-to to do all those great things that those wonderful preachers have talked about and more, how we can claim for ourselves what God has given to us, enjoy in our life. So today I want to talk about how we can reclaim our original position with God. So we know God created the world. He created man and he put man in a certain position. How do we get into that position? God gave us purpose. God gave us authority and God gave us dominion. And he also gave us abilities to walk and use those things. But over time, we, we as, as a humankind, mankind, as a race, uh, and in particular, we as the church, we've kind of lost sight of those things. We've grown accustomed to mediocrity or just being common or being uh, normal. We, we nowadays don't even want to stand out in a crowd because we're afraid what people might think of us or what they'll say but God meant for us to stand out. He meant for us to be above, for people to look at us and say, there's something different about you. What is it? Because I'll tell you what, I saw that in a believer and that's what drew me to Christ. I saw something different in somebody and I wanted what they had. God's plan was for us to be extraordinary, for us to be far above, not common, for us to be leaders, not followers. He wanted us to be on top, not below or beneath. And some of us, maybe even all of us at some point, have had something in our lives where we had to stop and say, how did I get here? How did this happen to me? Why do I have to deal with this stuff? Why am I always feeling like I'm beaten up and downtrodden? Why is every day a black cloud hanging over my head? Why do I have to deal with this sickness or this disease or this chronic condition? Why am I always in pain? Well, if that's you today, pay attention because you're going to get an awesome answer on how to get beyond all that stuff. So to see what God had in mind when he designed man, the position that we are meant to be in, in God's eyes, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. So if you got your Bibles... Your cell phone, your tablets, open up to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to start reading at verse 26. Genesis 1 verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And verse 31 says, then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So often we'll just read that story and we just think, oh, it's a nice story. The story of creation and Adam and Eve in the garden. Uh, But it really doesn't pertain to us today. Or does it? It's funny, a story that when my uh, youngest daughter, Rachel, was about two years old and and she had the little children's book with pictures in it. And so she sat down one day and she's like, I'm going to read my Bible. Now, we had read it to her, you know, bedtime stories and things like that, and we would read what's in there. But this particular day, she just sits down on the couch. She gets her little children's Bible out. She opens the story, Genesis, and she goes, In the beginning, God created naked people. And that's what we think about it. It's just this fun, cute little story, right? But it's a whole lot more than that. So let's break down these verses. Verse 26 says, Then God said, let us, emphasis on us, make man in our image, according to our likeness. So who's God talking about here? Who's the us and the our? It's God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son, along with the Holy Spirit, combined, saying, we're going to make man, and he's going to be just like us. Did you know that? You were created to be just like God and Jesus Christ. Get a revelation of that. Then he said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. So that word dominion means to rule, to dominate, to tread down, to have dominion, to cause to dominate or to prevail. So we're made to be just like God and Jesus. And he gave us dominion. Dominion what? Over what? Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle. All right. Well, I don't have cows And the birds are outside, don't worry about them. I don't have a fish tank, so what good is that going to do me? Well, keep reading. And over all the earth. How much of the earth? All the earth. God gave man, Adam and Eve, you and I, dominion over all the earth and everything in the earth. And it says, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So you got dominion over the creeps in the world too. But let's go back to that, over all the earth. So we're in the earth, we're in this world, and we deal with things in this world. We don't deal with things in outer space and in the other galaxies. We deal with things here on earth, And but God gave us the dominion to conquer, to have dominion, to subjugate, to put down anything that rises up against us over anything, anywhere in this world. That's God's word, not mine, right? That's what it says. Verse 28, says, then God blessed them. What does that word blessed mean? It means to give ability to. So God gave us ability to have that dominion. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Well, if you're like me, when times pass, I always read that and say, well, he told Adam and Eve, go have babies and, and make the human population grow because it needs more than just two people. Well, it, It didn't mean that, but it means a whole lot more. So let's break down these words. So God said, be fruitful. Fruitful means to grow and increase. All right, so there, Adam and Eve, go have kids. And multiply. So that word multiply, let's look at that. The Hebrew word there is rabah, and it means to become great. To be or become many, be or become much, or become numerous, To make much to do, to do much in respect, to transgress greatly, to increase greatly or exceedingly, and to make great or enlarge. So God gave the ability, he blessed you and I, mankind, with the ability to become great, to do exceedingly great and mighty things. It's right there in black and white. Not only that, he says, fill the earth and subdue it. Again, let's look at that word subdue. Subdue, very simply, it means to crush or shatter. Sounds a little violent, doesn't it? So why did God say, okay, mankind crush or shatter things in the earth? Because he knew we would have an enemy who would try to do the same to us, who would try to overpower us and overtake us, who would try to hold us down and suppress us. But he gave us the ability. He blessed us with the power, the dominion, the might to crush the enemy that comes against us. And that's a pretty strong, violent word. It really means, I just stomp on it. Crush the enemy that comes against you. All right, to put it in secret code, God was telling Adam and Eve, serpents coming, get ready. And when you see them, crush them. Okay, but we know they didn't. All right, let's keep going. Here again, right after that, he says, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So in three verses, God has repeated himself saying, have dominion over everything in the earth. Where does Satan and all the evil spirits and demons operate? Right here on the earth, trying to affect you and me. We have been given dominion over them and over every living thing on earth. Is there a virus going around the earth? We all know that to be true in this last year. Is that virus alive? Yep. Guess what? You have been given dominion over that virus, over every germ, over every virus, every bacteria. You have dominion over it. Verse 31 says... Then God saw everything he made, and indeed it was very good. Now, if you look at the whole story of creation and the six days that God created, every day he looked back at what he created and he said, and it was good. But on the sixth day when he created Adam, he created mankind, he said it was very good. So let's look at that. Why why does he distinguish between good and very good? That word very means exceedingly, abundantly, and greatly, and good is excellent. So God made us exceedingly, abundantly excellent with dominion over everything in this world. So don't believe the lies that you may hear about yourself, or you may even tell yourself about how you're a loser, how you can't do something, how you're no good. Nothing ever works out good for you. Those are all lies that the enemy wants you to hold on to, because God says, you are above, you got dominion, you've got ability, you can do exceedingly great things, and you are very good. So in creation, God made Adam, or he made mankind, you and I, to be the top dog on this earth. Okay? He said, go and subdue or crush and shatter anything that comes against us. And we have the dominion, and we should use that dominion and that authority when something does try to come against us, so we should crush the enemy whenever he shows his ugly face around us. God gave us that ability to be exceedingly great and do great things. This is the honor that God gave you and I and all humanity. He didn't create us to be little puppets and just, you know, subject to every whim and everything that comes against us, He created us to have power, authority, dominion on this earth, including in the spirit realm, okay? But all of our honor, all of our glory comes from God. It's not something we can make for ourselves. It's not something we do that gives us this glory and honor. It's the way God made us, okay? God gave us all provisions. Adam and Eve didn't lack for anything in the garden. God gave us provisions on earth, and he gave us health. You know, Adam and Eve were not made to die, God created us to have perfect divine health, and he gave us his glory. Remember, we're made in his image and his likeness, and God has glory, but it's his. We don't have it of ourselves. We have it through God. The Bible says that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. He was Adam's friend. Adam was God's friend. They chatted. They paled together. They they did things together. God helped them. God showed them things. They had a relationship. And God wants that same with you and I. God didn't change because Adam sinned. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So all those things that we read there in Genesis about how God was with Adam, we can have that same relationship, that same walk with God. So what changed? Well, one bite of forbidden fruit changed a lot. Okay, So let's go to that story. Genesis chapter 3, we're going to start reading in verse 6. So pardon me a little bit, I'm going to read a couple of verses here a bit to get through the whole effects of what happened there in the garden. So starting in verse 6 of Genesis 3, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate she also gave to her husband with her and he ate then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked so I'm going to interject here so as soon as they took the bite they disobeyed God sin entered the world right at that moment they instantly knew they were naked why didn't they know they were naked before? Because the glory of God was so bright around them, they didn't even see themselves. They didn't see their flesh and, and this. They just saw the glory that was around them. And as soon as that glory left, now they like, wait a minute. Uh, we're a little exposed here, right? So, and with that came shame and guilt. Because now they're like, oh no, what did I do? Oh, oh goodness, right? So that's an effect of sin, is the shame that we feel, the guilt that we pour on ourselves. And some people never get over that guilt. They're constantly beating themselves up. And then they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Verse 8, And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Why did they hide themselves? Because of what they did, because of the sin, because they are now exposed, they were embarrassed. They were timid and insecure. They were focused more on themselves and they were fearful. That is an effect of sin, timidity, insecurity, fear. And again, in the last year, we have seen that just run rampant in the world where we've The world is trying to put fear and insecurity on people so they can just, you know, give up whatever freedoms, give up whatever they have normal in life so that they can have some sense of protection. And our protection doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from a government. It doesn't come from a vaccine. It comes from God. The Lord God called to Adam and he said to him, where are you, Adam? Adam. So Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. So here again, Adam is saying, because of the sin, now suddenly I'm afraid. There's fear in my life. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman you gave me, she made me do it. So suddenly now, Adam became this big wimp. He wouldn't take credit or, or be uh, you know, subject to what he did. He was blaming it on somebody else. Right? So another effect of sin. Man, we became wimpy. We're not bold. We're not confident. We're no longer a leader. You know, we tuck tail and we walk away. Right? That's not how God created us to be. Verse thirteen, and the Lord God said to the woman, "What is this you have done?" The woman said, "The serpent deceived me. She's doing the same thing. It was them, not me. Right? We won't take credit for our own actions because we're too wimpy. We're too timid, too insecure." So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field, and on your belly you should go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, that word enmity is hostility and hatred, and your seed and her seed, her seed referring to Jesus coming, he shall Bruise or that word bruise is crush your head. So right here, God is saying Jesus is going to come down and devil, he's going to crush your head. All right. And you shall bruise his heel, knowing that Jesus was going to you know, take his beatings to make this all happen. So God is already putting the plan in action how to remedy this situation of sin in the world right there on the spot. Verse 16 says to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and 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 your conception in pain. You shall bring forth children. So there's the effect of sin that women shall have pain during childbirth. And ladies, some of you know, I can't speak from experience, obviously. Verse 17, then to Adam, he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your lives. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herbs of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. So God's telling Adam, all right, because you've done this, your life is no longer going to be on easy street. You're still going to get the provisions you need, but you're going to work for them. Or you're going to sweat for it. And the ground is going to fight you with weeds, thorns, thistles. It's going to be difficult now. That was all the effect of sin. So they the effect of sin, it's passed on to all humanity. It's insecurity, it's fear, uncertainty, pain in childbirth, hard labor, sweat of the brow, thorns and thistles, cursed ground. But don't despair. God had to plan for all of that. But to make it all things worse, on top of this, Adam subjected himself to Satan. Adam says, I'm going to take my allegiance, my obedience to God, and I'm going to give it to Satan. And that was one of the worst things that happened. He gave the dominion and the authority that God gave to Adam. Adam gave it to Satan. And now there is nothing that humanity, you or I, could do about it in our own strength and abilities. The dominion was given away. Satan now had legal authority and dominion on earth. So things became a real mess. Adam screwed up big time on this one. However, despite all this, God's grace would still prevail. God still wanted all of us to have a good life, to have the provisions, the things that God wanted for us. So even before Jesus came on earth, God said to to you and I, to all mankind, and specifically to the Israelites, hey, there's a way you can have all these good things. And he spells it out for them in Deuteronomy. So we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Start reading at verse 1. So God, so loving, still wants us to have good things even though we've turned our back on them. First one says, now it shall come to pass. Listen, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe all his commands. So I want you to get that. You and I, we have to diligently obey to observe everything God commands which he commands us today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because, why? You obey the voice of the Lord your God. So again, this is obedience-based. It's not automatic. We got to do something. And that's what The Old Testament is, it's based on us performing, us doing. Verse 3 says, Blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the country, blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of the ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. And in that time, all of that meant you're going to prosper. You're going to be wealthy. That was their source of financial security is those, the cattle, their flocks. Verse 5, blessed shall you be in your basket and your kneading bowl. So they're going to have provisions. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. And remember, Satan's an enemy. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessings on you in your storehouses and in all which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people for himself, just as he swore to you. And we're going to skip down to verse 13. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only, not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and be careful to observe them. So again, he starts with it, he ends with it. Do these commandments, do all of them, and you'll get all those goodies that are listed in between. Verse 15 says, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commands and his statutes that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. So there's a flip side to it as well. You know, if we don't follow those commandments, then there's, you know, the bad things that come. Again, don't, don't fret. That's Old Testament. So, well, I want in on these blessings, right? None of us want the curses. We all want the blessings. Right? But we have to follow all the commandments, right? Well, no problem. At least that's what the Israelites thought. In fact, they even said it when they were at Mount Sinai, when the Israelites were uh, out in the wilderness after leaving Egypt. And God said, if you do these things, and the people said, we can do this. We can do everything you command us to do. God, no problem. We got this. It's on me. I can do this. That was pride. That was them saying, God, we don't need you. You just tell us what to do. Not a problem. We got it but we knew, we know now, that they couldn't do it. You and I can't do it. There was no perfect person who could do all that God commanded save one, and that person is Jesus Christ. In fact, even right after they said that, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and before Moses even came down from Mount Sinai with the commandments, the people already blew it by making golden calves and idols to worship. So in the Old Testament, again, the burden was on the people to do what the law said, to get what God promised. And everyone failed at that. It's impossible for us to follow all the commandments. And God knew that, and that is why he sent Jesus. Jesus had to come so that God could get us back into the place he meant us to be in. We needed help. We needed saving. Every one of us need that saving grace. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what's that word there say? The glory of God. God wants us to walk in that glory still, but we all fall short of it. All right. <clears throat> so that none of us can boast. But God had a way for escape for us. Again, God had a plan all the way back from the garden. And that plan was Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is our great reclaimer, taking back what was stolen from us. Jesus came to the earth to reverse the curse, to bring us back to our original position of glory and authority and dominion. How did he do that? Well, we read about it when we read about the Last Supper. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and start reading at verse 23. as often as you drink it. Or do this as often as you drink it. And that is the title for today's message, Do This. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and some even sleep. And that word sleep is death. So let's read that last verse again. For this reason, many of you are weak and sick. Are you fighting something in your body? Have you ever wondered why you've had to deal with a chronic condition or why this condition came upon you? Let's back up. For this reason. Notice God didn't say for a multitude of reasons you deserve to have all these illnesses and diseases and effects on your body. God didn't say for five reasons. This, 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 and that. I can name them. All right. For those reasons you have sickness in your body. No, this is singular, for this reason. One reason only, that it says we are weak and sick. What is that reason? Do we know? Well, we just read it. So let's back up. What is verse 30 talking about? Verse 30 is talking about the previous few verses. that says, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, Will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. All right, so what does that all mean? Not that you or I are unworthy. We don't have to go up there and say, oh my gosh, I sinned horribly last night last month last year and I am just not worthy to do this that's not at all what that means what this means is if we do communion we take the bread we take the cup and don't respect honor revere what it is we have in our possession and we are about to partake of if we just say all right throw the wafer in our mouth yeah that thing's dry sticks to the roof of my mouth it sticks to my teeth it tastes nasty it's stale Ah, I hate that. On that juice, can't they get a better juice? Why does it taste so sour? If that's what's going through our mind, then we're doing communion in an unworthy manner. We're not even thinking about what communion means if we're doing that. Jesus said, do this to remember me. Do this. Do what? Remember what I'm about to go do for all of humanity to take care of the sin problem. Do this to remember, I'm about to go pay the price that we can't pay. Do this to remember, I'm offering my life, the Lamb of God, to sacrifice for once and for all time for the remission of sin, to cleanse the world of the sin problems that came when Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden fruit. That's what communion is all about. So we take the bread of communion. Jesus said, do this to remember my body's about to be broken so that we can reclaim the health, the wholeness in our bodies that God had originally designed us to walk in. We take the cup. Jesus said, do this to remember that he's shedding his blood to wash away all of our sins. When all of our sins are washed away, there's no more curse of sin on our lives. It's all gone. It's washed away. God even says, I don't remember it. Those, all these things that God said would happen as a result of sin are gone because the sin is gone. The curse is reversed. Remember all those things we talked about when sin happened? All those things, the timidity, the insecurity, the fear, the shame, the guilt. Okay, pain and childbirth, you know, sweating by uh, our brow and the hard ground and all that, all the curse of sin, Jesus took away that entire list of curses. And what's left after all the curses are gone? Just the blessings. But communion is not this fancy church thing to do. It's not this ritual that, okay, well, once a month, once a week, all right, we're going to just have the wafer, have the juice. All right, it's just part of church and go on. It's so much more than that. But at the same time, there's nothing magical about the wafer or the juice. The element itself is not magical. Okay? There's no healing power in the wafer. We can't just take the juice or wine and just pour it over our head and just think, okay, we're cleansed of our sins now. That's not how it works. Communion is about us having the revelation and keeping that revelation before us of what Jesus did for you and for me and for all mankind, what Jesus bought and paid for and has delivered back to us, what Jesus went and reclaimed for us. That's what communion is about, remembering where we are with God. Jesus said, as often as you do this, so we should do it often. Nice thing about doing communion, we don't have to wait till it's church on Sunday. We can do it anytime we want at our house. Go back and read the scripture in Corinthians 1 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 23. Read it, have the bread, have the juice, do communion yourself. It's about remembering what Jesus did for you and believing that when you do that and you just Taking in, you are claiming back what was stolen from you. When Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, it doesn't mean to have just this passive recollection. Yep, okay, Jesus, uh, he, he was uh, arrested and tried and scourged and nailed to the cross and hung and died and three days later rose again. I mean, not to downplay any of that, but we have to have something more than that in our heads, in our minds, in our spirit when we're doing communion. We have to focus on what exactly was the crucifixion about. Why did Jesus allow the scourging to happen? Why did he say, this is my body, and my body's about to be broken, scourged, stripped of skin and muscle, right down to bare bone, being torn off. He did that for you and for me so that our bodies would be put back together, healed, whole, made the way God designed it to be made. Remember, in his likeness and image, I can tell you, God doesn't have any sickness in his body. Jesus now doesn't have any sickness in his body. And we're made in that likeness and image. That's how we should be too. Seeing his body broken so that our body is healed. That's what we do when we take the bread. Seeing his blood being poured out. And he gave all of his blood so that all of our sins would be washed away. That's what we think about. That's what we're remembering when we take the cup. Remembering the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Holy One of Israel, the Son of God Almighty suffered and died for you and for me in order to reclaim and restore us to that original glory, that original authority, that original dominion and power that God created us to walk in. That's what communion is about. Remembering that Jesus put us right back to where Adam and Eve were, the way they were created to be, before they ate that fruit. So how powerful is this? If we read Colossians 1, starting in verse 12, it says, Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He made us to be partakers, to join in the effect of this glorious life. Romans 5, starting in verse 15, says, But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense, many died. So we're going back to Adam again. If by one man's offense, many died, much more. How much more? Much more. The grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So even though there was an effect of sin on all humanity and over all the earth, much, much more, much more is the effect of what Jesus did for us. Verse 16 says, And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, here's that again, much more, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign. What does that say? We're going to reign We're going to reign. We're back in that original position of dominion, authority, power. Walking in the cool of day with God. Having a relationship with God. We reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. And if we're reigning in life, that means we've got the power and authority to control those things that happen in our lives. Verse 18, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. Resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's obedience, many were made sinners. In fact, all of us were made sinners by what Adam did. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. How do we get made righteous? We accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We believe in what he did for us and accept it. So we do this to get much more. We do this in remembering what Jesus did for us to get much more. It's not about us having to do something to become righteous. It's about us receiving what Jesus did for us already to become righteous. Because of what Jesus did for us, we are now seated in heavenly places at the right hand of God Almighty. That is definitely a position of power, a position of authority, at God's right hand in the body of Christ. You can't get any higher than that. And it says, we are far above all principalities, powers, mights, dominions in this world. In other words, Satan can't touch us if we don't let him. That is why he tries so hard to hide this truth from us. Satan knows he lost the battle, and he knows we have authority over him. He doesn't want you and I to know that, though, and he fights this message so hard. He deceives us. He lies to us. We hear that voice that says we're no good. We can't do that. We're a loser. That's not for me. I don't deserve that. Those are all lies from the enemy. 1 Peter Five, verse 8 says Satan prowls like a lion. Satan prowls like a lion seeking whom he may devour seeking whom he may devour notice it doesn't say that Satan can go around and devour anyone he wants he has to seek to see who he can devour in other words there's something that allows Satan to devour somebody and Satan is not all-knowing he's not God So how does he know if he can devour somebody or not? Simple, he listens to what you and I say. He listens, he watches our actions. But our words will tell Satan and the enemy whether or not we believe in who we are, in our authority, in our dominion, that we are at the right hand of God Almighty seated in heavenly places. Or are we timid and fearful and shameful and shy and having insecurities. Those are the people Satan can devour. Not the one who goes around saying, because of what Jesus did for me, I'm righteous. I'm good with God. I'm a friend of God. I walk with God. I've got authority and power and dominion over my life and the things that affect my life. Satan can't touch that. So what are you saying? What's coming out of your mouth? Insecurities, fear, Shame, guilt, or boldness, confidence, knowing who you are in Christ. God gave glory and dominion and blessings to Adam. Adam turned around and gave it to Satan. Jesus came on the scene. He conquered Satan. The Bible says he stripped Satan down and he paraded him around like a whipped puppy, saying, look at the loser. And Jesus took back all the authority that was given to Adam. He took it back from Satan. Satan. And he's saying, here it is. Come and claim it for yourselves. And with communion, that's what we're doing. We are remembering. Jesus conquered Satan, took that authority, dominion, power, boldness, confidence, the ability to do the things that God wants us to do, asks us to do, gave us ability to do. And he says, here it is. It's all for you. Come and claim it or reclaim it because it was ours originally. So it's up to us to reclaim it for ourselves. And we do that by doing this, doing communion. So we're going to do communion in just a second. But before we do communion, there's one thing that we all need to do. And it is believe in Jesus Christ. Communion is for the believer. Communion is saying, I believe and accepted that Jesus died for me. And he paid the price of sin for me. And my sins are washed away from me. So before we remember that, we've got to be a believer. So if you've never heard this before, you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord, your Savior, you've never asked him to come into your life, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. And again, God makes things so easy for us. All we have to do is believe in our heart and then confess with our mouth, Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He makes it so simple for us to get back into that original position. So if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, if you don't know for sure that you will go to heaven after you take your last breath here on earth, but you wanna know for sure then I invite you to pray this prayer with me. To say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ, your son, to this earth to die for me, to shed his blood, to wash away my sins. Jesus, I believe you are my Lord and my savior. Come into my life right now. And I believe I am forgiven of all sin and I am made righteous because of you, Jesus. Amen.